Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe Zimmerman Podcast Thursday edition. Once again, the weekend preview is upon us, but it is not just the weekend for the UFC. No, no, no. It actually kind of belongs to Bellator with two of the biggest fights that Bellator can put on one single card. If you didn't know about it, well, now you know. True. Now, Dominic, before we just hop right in, I want to ask you, the weather, it's its starting to heat up just a little bit. It's been very rainy over yes. here in Indiana. However, today we're reaching highs of 74 degrees. Ooh. Old ladies at work are turning the fucking thermostat up to 74. I'm like, what the hell's going on here, guys? That ain't so a what's good the big combat. idea? Oh, dude, I was sweating bad at work today. <laughs> I had a hoodie on. It was not good. How are things back in Ohio? They are trying to approach those 70s, but the April showers are very much upon us. I'm trying to go golf, and I can't because the course is soaking wet. There's mud. I'll get the golf cart stuck if I go try, Noah. So I'm hoping that the sunshine is going to come in sooner rather than later but today on this wednesday that we record it's rainy tomorrow on thursday when you're hearing this it's rainy maybe the weekend will be nice but then i'll be stuck inside watching fights so oh well did you watch the masters perhaps i know since you're such a big golfer nowadays i caught a few things here and there i couldn't help but uh just marvel at scotty scheffler's amazing minus 10 performance and it was you know, it was hard to watch Tiger kind of fall apart the last two days, but to just go out there after what's happened the last year and compete, respect there. So, uh, yeah, I didn't get to watch, like, start to finish, but I watched bits and pieces. And uh, one day, I'm just kidding, I'll never be that good. But, you know, a guy can dream. Have you gotten better? We haven't. We, I have gotten we, better. We I have played, improved. We haven't played together in a couple of years. I just stopped playing altogether. <laughs> I, I gave up. What? I said, why spend the money on something I'm never going to be good at? But you Oof, know. that kind of does hit home there. Hey, it's always it's the one shot that brings me back every time. No, all my other shots can go right into the trees, but it's the one shot, baby. Hmm. Sounds like a quote from a movie or something. You should be uh, you should put you should sell that. Anyway, trademark pending. <clears throat> Bellator two seventy seven oh wait. First, before we get into it, Dominic, I want to give you a second to tell everyone oh. where they can find us on social media. Y'all thought I was going to forget again, but nope. Hey, he's he's on one right now. This is two or three in a row. We're catching on. You can find me on Twitter on Instagram at Diesel fourteen. More importantly, go follow us. Go engage with us. Go interact with us and the podcast on Twitter on Instagram at baj underscore mma podcast. Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. Link tree in the bio has a bunch of links, including links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout out to Shout them. out. Yes. Bellator 277, Dominic, going down this Friday. So it does have the day to itself. We will see it run back this fight once again about eight months from when the first took place. But the roles have reversed this time. Now it is AJ McKee, the undefeated phenom who has fought, I believe, every professional fight <laughs> in his career for Bellator. Yes. He is now the champion. And with that minus 350 favorite, taking on perhaps the best fighter in Bellator history, at least the most accomplished, maybe, Patricio Pitbull at plus 270. So, Dominic, the first fight was a big deal. Dare I say it was a it was a great finish, but the fight was pretty quick. I mean, it was about three yeah. minutes. Very no, I don't even know if either guy really even threw much of a much of a combination before. Right, the finish AJ, happened very yeah, suddenly. <laughs> basically, the first thing thrown is what ended the fight. So my question for you: Now that we've had some time to let that that first result kind of marinate, do you see this second fight? going a little bit longer and even if not like is it is it pretty much a given that AJ McKee's going to win this fight or is Patricio Pitbull still deadly as one of the most accomplished of all time Pitbull's definitely still deadly he's got the power he's got that well-rounded skill set but I just believe that AJ McKee is that next wave that next generation of fighter and yes he's had all 18 fights in Bellator he's been molded by that company but he's coming into his all right now uh again it was 
basically flawless in that first fight, but not much happened. But the finishing sequence was so quick, so vicious. Mm-hmm. You know, it looked like he was going to knock him out. Pitbull looked like he was almost knocked out on the feet. Then he uh, ended up submitting him on the feet. So it was just everything was there for McKee that night. I think McKee does get it done again. Maybe the fight goes a little bit longer. I still foresee a finish. I think with these two guys squared up, there's going to be a finish on either side. But AJ McKee just seems like the real deal right now, man. He does. Yeah, for me, I, I tend to kind of agree with what you're saying. You know, I was very much a believer in AJ McKee the first time around. Obviously, I kind of think the same thing here, but very much, it's to me. I don't think Patricio Pitbull's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. So the 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 test here is still the same. For Patricio Pitbull to win, though, the problem is that he's going up against a guy who's much faster than him, much t- lankier, taller, better reach than him. And because of that, you know, that puts him at a bit of a disadvantage, obviously. Yeah. So things that he has to be ready for. AJ McKee has less experience than Patricio, so because of that, you would assume Patricio might have a fire a higher fight IQ. So you gotta look for his mistakes. I mean Patricio Pitbull just needs to get this fight into the later rounds. Yeah. Really test AJ McKee in those championship rounds. If he makes a mistake, you have to capitalize on that. Because how many opportunities are you going to get? You know, AJ McKee don't make many mistakes. No. And, um, you know, in that first fight, it was kind of an odd... um, It was an odd fight because obviously the finish was awesome. But for three minutes, those two really didn't do anything. They were very patient. Maybe that's what I should say. Yes. And, you know, not that neither guy is capable of doing so, but we kind of expected more aggression early i think yeah yeah Uh, especially from the champion pitbull and he just was very timid i I would have hoped that he could you know whether it be because he wants his title back wants to get that loss back whatever it might be could be more motivated and um you know more aggressive early yeah, I do wonder if that will be a part of his attack in this second one for Pitbull. But at the same time, you know, say he does go in really aggressive, McKee just seems like the type of guy that can counter so swiftly and so quickly too. So I don't know. It's kind of a double-edged sword. I'll be, I'm not so much interested in how McKee will approach this. All eyes to me are on Pitbull and how he's going to go about this and try and win his title back and then potentially uh, line up again for a trilogy if he were to win this one. Very true, and there's a lot at stake for him here just because he, he doesn't come off as a guy ready to call it quits yeah. in his career. But with the loss here, he handed over his lightweight title. Yeah. And with the loss here, you, you'd be hard-pressed to get him a third shot uh, anytime soon because you kind of assume A.J. McKee might be top of that division for a long time. You know, it's like, where does he go from there? Especially if yeah. he gets finished again. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, a Volkanovski Holloway 2 where you lose a very close decision that a lot of people think you won. So maybe that warrants a third fight. But if he gets finished again, I mean, it's going to be a long... He's going to have to have some long nights thinking about that for a while. Yeah, should McKee win this one, it's going to actually feel like that passing of the torch moment where this old wave of Bellator is on its way out and the new wave in McKee is here to stay for a while. To be honest with you, I kind of feel like that already happened. Um, I know, I know obviously Pitbull is so talented, so good that he's very capable of winning this fight and potentially kind of saying, no, 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 that wasn't a passing of the torch. That was a, that was just a slip up. Still my time. Yeah. The co-main event, which Mm. is arguably the second biggest fight Bellator can put on right now, which is, yep. Very crazy that this card is so stacked. Uh, and uh, the finals, I don't know about <laughs> The finals of the light heavyweight Grand Prix. Champion Vadim Nemkov will be taking on Corey Anderson, the number one contender. Um, both guys have had interesting paths to get here. Uh, Vadim Nemkov coming off a win over Julius Anglicus. Uh, that was not who he was supposed to fight in the semifinals. I believe it was supposed to be Rumble Johnson. Yep. So, you know, and I think before that, Nemkov fought Ryan Bader and got a decision win there, and that was the second time he had beat Ryan Bader. Um, while Corey Anderson, I know he started his um, Bellator career 
you know, fighting like uh, Melvin Manhoff, who's a dangerous striker, but a guy very past his prime. I believe in the light heavyweight Grand Prix, he fought Devletzon, uh Hamshimiradov. Mm -hmm. was, that, was that his first round matchup? I believe so. Uh, won that fight, even though Devletzon kind of, he, he, he was more game than I think people were expecting, but Corey Anderson showing how good he was and why he was so highly touted to begin with. And then, who did Corey Anderson beat in the semifinals? It was, uh, he knocked out, um, or no, he knocked out Ryan Bader. It was Bader, yeah, yeah, Bader. So who did Vadim Nemkov beat? Vadim Nemkov might have beat uh, Leota Machida, perhaps? Um, All in the first round? Yeah. Oh, I can't even remember. I feel like this Grand Prix started six years ago. <laughs> I know. I want to say, we should have this in front of us, but I want to say it's Leota Machida, but who knows. But basically, Dominic, I'm going to ask you straight up here. Is this fight to determine the number one light heavyweight in the world? Oh, oh, I can't say that. I know Scott Coker's big on that I mean, idea. Corey uh, Anderson beat Glover Teixeira. Yeah, we know how MMA math is, Noah. I'm not one to say anything about that. And I think there's still plenty of talent in the UFC's light heavyweight division that isn't uh, the champion that could be better than uh, Anderson for sure. Nimkov, I will say is a guy that intrigues me a lot. Should he win here? That's a legitimate argument, in my opinion. I, I really like really? this guy. For so you would give yes. Nimkov the argument, but the guy who has a win over the UFC champion, you say no, no dice. Yes, that may be odd. I just believe that Nimkov's all-around skill set is better than Corey Anderson. That's why I'm curious to see how he'll approach this one, because Nimkov's such a world-class kickboxer, but he's, he's very high IQ with Corey I don't think you want to stand on the feet here with Nimkov. So if he can grapple in, in route to his victory, uh, it, it obviously it would be a very big moment to see Anderson, Corey Anderson get that title uh, because he always was there in the UFC but never able to reach the uh, epitome of that division. So it would be a feel-good moment. I think if Nimkov wins, there's a legitimate talk here for best light heavyweight in the world. I think the winner of this fight may be – right now the best light heavyweight in the world now if you had yuri prohaska fight either one of these guys i'd probably pick yuri to win and maybe even alexander rakich or, yuri beat nimkov back in ryzen right so i i would say that i would favor probably one of those two guys to be over like it to end up being the number one pound for pound but number one has to be based off achievement, not just you know what I how I value your skill set. I said I thought Peter Yan was the number one talented fighter in the whole roster, but there's a reason he's not number one pound for pound. He just lost. He's not even a title holder anymore. So here, Vadim Nemkov is very interesting because he's he's the lesser known of these two for us. Obviously, we followed Corey Anderson's career. We've seen the highs and lows, and I think that's why your you tend to um, kind of go away from Corey Anderson because Vadim Nemkov has basically been perfect. Um, it's not necessarily been like, uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily been dominant at, at all yeah. times, but it's it's been very efficient. He's always yeah. been very efficient. He's a very talented striker, but also has a ground game to back that up as well to make himself just so good everywhere. He's just, he, yeah. he doesn't really have like a big weak spot that we know of right now. While Corey Anderson, we've seen him be slept by like Jan Blahovic. We we've seen him at his weaker points because he basically won the ultimate fighter, was molded in the UFC, was fighting on a lot of big cards. But Dominic, I will say I think he's shown some new wrinkles to his game since going to mm -hmm. Bellator. He he's he's been more competent on the feet than he has been previously. He knocked out Ryan Bader. I agree with you. I don't think striking is his path to victory here. And I think he would agree with you because during the <laughs> press conference, I believe this happened Tuesday, uh, he spoke with the guys from the Weighing In podcast, Big John McCarthy and Josh Thompson, and he said, oh, I'm going to wrestle him. He's like, I might not get him down the first time, might not get him down the second time, but I'll get him down the third time. Like basically yeah. saying, like, I'll keep trying until I get it. Now, that can be dangerous if you really think about it because if you get a little carried away with those shoots – you could eat a big knee, uppercut, something crazy. You know, ask yeah. Curtis Blades about getting hit with the nasty <laughs> uppercut. You know what I mean? Yeah. So all in all, like, 
when it comes down to this fight, Corey Anderson's the guy that I know more about, but yet knowing more about him makes me trust him less than Vadim Nemkov. I think Vadim Nemkov almost does. He has this clout of like, uh, like um, there, there's some there's some mystique still to Vadim Nemkov. Like we still don't yeah. feel like we've tapped into how good this guy can get. Corey yeah. Anderson's fighting at the highest level right now, but how much higher can he really get? You know, that's kind of my feeling toward this fight. So right. um, it's a it's a worthy final for this kind of messy light heavyweight Grand Prix that you know had so much promise to begin with, but the Rumble Johnson, Yuel Romero stuff kind of you know kind of took it off the rails. Yeah. But I think it's a worthy final. I think it is the two best guys on this roster. Yes. And I, and I will go as far to say that, it, especially if the winner of this fight does it in a, in a statement fashion, mm-hmm. I'm willing to say that for the first time maybe in Bellator's history, they will have a number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world for a division. I like it, Noah. Yeah. Anything else on that fight before we move on to the UFC? That's all I got. All right. We are going back to the apex, Dominic. UFC yep. fight night. Vicente Luque versus Bilal Muhammad Dos. Dos. First time they fought, Vicente Luque got a TKO victory, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that fight happened. Wasn't that on a pretty big card? Ooh, I wish I remembered the specific card. No, it's been a while, too. Yeah, it may not have been. I, for some reason, I thought it might have happened on a big card. But obviously, the fight happened, I think, in like 2017. It's been a good it's four or five years since yeah. these two have met. And at that time, both were on the climb up. I think maybe not at that necessarily at that fight, but around 2018 is when I became aware of both these guys. And Vicente Luque, I was, this is what I was hoped would be yeah. in his future. I didn't know defensively if he would quite hold up, you know, through some of the fights, through the top 15, top 10, top 5. But he's made it here. He's on a very nice win streak. He's had, you know, the win over Michael Chiesa, Tyron Woodley, both of those kind of having to battle through some early jitters and get that submission victory. Blau Muhammad's the one I didn't expect, Dominic. I really didn't. You know, I've said time and time again on this show that I feel like he's the guy that's kind of good everywhere but not really great anywhere. Mm -hmm. And while I stand by that at a time... I think he's shown his wrestling is much better than I gave him credit for. And also, I just think that through development, through training, through activity, he's gotten better over time. I mean, he's not the same guy who was losing to Vicente Luque that first time out. He is a much more well-rounded fighter at this point, a dangerous wrestler. However... um, it's, it's an interesting matchup because you got one guy who's all action and one guy who tend, tends to love going through long, drawn-out decisions. Yes. So, Dominic, when you evaluate this fight, it's easy to kind of knee-jerk and be all on Luke's side because, you know, he's the exciting fighter here. But how conflicted are you in, you know, perhaps who's going to get this victory and by what kind of method? I, I think we're talking one-way street for whoever the winner is in this one, if I'm being honest. Uh, I see, you know, if Luke can come out. I mean, this guy's won 10 of 11, four in a row via finish. The dude doesn't even know what a decision is, hardly. But Bilal Muhammad, he sure the hell knows what a decision is, and he can go to the deep waters and drag his opponents there, man, with his grappling and wrestling. His pace, his pressure is very good as well. I don't know, like, if he wants to be – uh, the aggressor and obviously push Luke back up toward the fence, set up the takedowns. That could be dangerous, man, coming in on Luke with so much power. Luke is obviously great at jujitsu, underrated, I will say, at jujitsu. But the way that Muhammad controls people from the top, I don't even know if Luke could pull off and get into positions to even attempt a submission attempt. So, uh, Ooh, wow. yeah, this is this is a very, like, to me, this feels like a pickup fight. And I know we're not on the betting show, and we will be on Friday. Tune in for that. But this is a very 50-50 fight to me. I don't know who's going to win it. I don't know how they're going to win it. But I will say, and I'm going to stick with it, one-way street for whoever that may be. So I see potentially a decisive finish from Luke or a decisive decision from Muhammad. 
I think Vicente Luque has more routes to victory here. I think he's overall the more well-rounded fighter. He's a better striker, a really good striker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Has a great ground game. Yes, he might not be the wrestler of Bilal Muhammad, but I think you might be underestimating his jiu-jitsu capabilities if he were to be on his back or not even on his back, just if he if they are kind of wrestling for positions, if Bilal's trying to put him up against the fence and drag him down, that, that leaves your head exposed sometimes. And mm-hmm. you've already seen back-to-back wins for... Uh, Vicente Luque with uh, were they both anaconda chokes or bravo chokes or yeah like Darsh kind of yeah yeah so back to back finishes in that way against great wrestlers Tyron Woodley Michael Chiesa both guys who I may say are better wrestlers than Bilal Muhammad now don't get me wrong Bilal Muhammad's a very smart fighter that's why uh, the de- even though he's got so many decisions he's on the, the good side of a lot of those I mean he's gone mm-hmm. the distance time and time again. It's it's a close fight, and I think the odds represent that. But I I do tend to think that Vicente Luque should win this fight. But I think it kind of comes down to how defensively sound he is. Mm-hmm. Does he get overzealous being his first main event, looking to put on a show? Does he get caught in double legs time and time again, shooting rushing in? That's kind of where I feel like it's Vicente Luque's fight to lose personally. Mm, okay, and and I'm going to ask you this question because. Here's how the how the welterweight division kind of stacks up right now. Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards too. That's happening in July. We yep. presume. And now it looks like Hamzat Chimaev and Colby Covington may happen sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. What are the chances? Zero through one hundred. What are the percent chances, in your opinion, that this could be like a number one contender fight? Oh, man. See, a year ago, I would have said 100% because Kamaru showed a lot of interest in fighting guys that were fresh matchups for him. Nowadays, he's kind of just fighting whomever may come across him. This is going to be like his third or fourth set of rematches when he fights Leon Edwards in July. Obviously, their first fight wasn't for the title, but you get the gist. I could... It's so hard to say because of the Colby and Chimaev matchup because that, to me feels more like a number one contender fight, especially like should Chimaev win? Like I would give Chimaev the title fight over Luke and Muhammad, which is crazy because mm-hmm. these guys have really been through the ringer and Luke's on a huge win streak too right now. But if Colby beats Chimaev, then it's like, well, I wouldn't give Colby. Let me, a- let me help you out here. Cause in my head and you let's, let's talk this through together. Cause I'm not sure what the timetable is for Hamza Colby, but, I presume that fight's not happening until, like, the fall. Yeah. And if that's the case, then is Kamaru just going to sit around, or is he going to – like, I feel like they're not on – Hamzat Kobe's fight, I don't feel like, is on the same schedule as Kamaru with his title defenses. Because I could see him defending here against Leon, and then he'll be ready to go come first of the year type deal. Yeah. Yeah, if the UFC does and then commit, if Leon wins, obviously he would probably want to defend oh, yeah. before the end of the year as well. That'll just be a trilogy, though. I'd say oh, if yeah. Leon yeah, wins. Okay. Yes, you're right. You're right. You know what? Because I want to see Luke fight for oh, fuck, but he might not win the fight. But then Muhammad's on a win streak too. Well, you can give like... me you can give me chances for either guy. Cause I'm just saying. I would, that. Tend to, I would tend to believe you're just saying. No. I'm gonna go no. zero. I okay. Well. All right, don't don't play my little game then. Vicente Luque, I would give a, if he wins about a thirty-five percent chance. Yeah. If Bilal Muhammad wins, I'd probably give him like a seven percent chance. Yeah. No disrespect. It's just a kind of how it stacks up, and I think even though Luque is not really going to sell a fight, but you can sell that fight, Luque versus. Kamaru or Luke versus Edwards because Luke is yeah. going to bring it. Oh yeah, Blau. Oh, yeah. It might. It's a bit. I, I worry Blau may get a bit of a John Fitch uh, treatment, treatment from Dana and the boys. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I'm so jambled on it. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. I just like to give you a hard time. We'll be back with a couple more fights from this card, but first, Dominic, Uh-oh. he's back. Maybe. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> 
Per Ali Abdelaziz and Henry Cejudo himself. That's right. Henry Cejudo, Triple C, has announced that he has re-entered the USADA testing pool and therefore will be eligible to return to professional MMA within or after six months. Yep. So, Dominic, I'm going to give you another scale. I like doing these number questions. Like, give it, <laughs> And then you can explain, you know. So, scale of 1 to 10, how serious do you take this? And then after that, you can talk about maybe what matchups you would love to see for him when he comes back if you think he's serious about it. Oh, I take it as a 10 in terms of seriousness, especially okay. from Cejudo, that is. The problem is Dana and the boys. I don't know, kind of, Dana's had his comments and whatnot about Cejudo and his return. But now that he's officially back in the pool, that definitely could change uh, Dana's mind and whatnot. And if he comes back, you know, say he's ready in six months, I'd say Mr. Alexander Volkanovsky would be ready to fight in six months too. Again, I don't know what Max Holloway's doing and whatnot, but if, if Cejudo comes back, I think it's going to be for the third belt. I think it's going to be, you know, for the featherweight title at 145 pounds. I don't see the UFC doing anything else for him, and I don't think Henry wants anything else besides that. I see the other bullet point on here that we're going to discuss, however. But yes, Noah, a 10, all seriousness, the king of cringe. He's coming back. I'll give it about an eight and a half. I take it very serious, but I take off a point and a half because I worry that that's his expectation. That it's like, I'm coming back. I want to show him I'm serious, but I want that fight with Volkanovski. Yeah. Volkanovski has a say in this too. And he has wrote off this fight like completely. His appearance on the MMA hour, he was like, meh, like, if he fights a guy in my division and wins, then we'll talk, you know. And Dana doesn't seem even that interested in it. Yeah. I don't really see who's going to make this fight happen. So I'm not saying it can't happen, but I think Henry would have to come back, win a fight in that division, and then he would get it. But do I think he would do that? No. What I think is exactly. more likely, I think a fight with Aljamain Sterling might be more realistic. and. Uh, Aljamain Sterling also made an appearance today on Wednesday when we're recording on the MMA Hour, and he had a lot to say, including, and I don't know if this is just him kind of, you know, you know, playing a little mind games with old TJ Dillashaw, but he said he 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 thought about it afterwards after the the, the fight was over, and he said he realized that TJ Dillashaw didn't really deserve a shot at his title right now. Oh. So, and he said he would welcome a fight with Henry Cejudo when he returns because Aljamain said he doesn't think he'll fight till like the fall and yeah. uh, a lot of people didn't like that but you know I, I get yeah. it I get it um, guy you know went through a five round fight gotta yeah. let him get yeah let him take some time to heal man you know I mean? yeah so I take it serious that he wants to come back but it's just for what fight because Henry Cejudo is a decent name in the sport you know for hardcore fans he is one of the bigger names yes but i wouldn't say he's like a star like he doesn't really have that crossover appeal to like right. casual fans right so you know even though he he's got the accomplishments i've i've said it before i think if you go off of like combat sports in general or even if you include like wrestling he's probably the most accomplished or one of the best ever through yeah. combat sports but you know what fight would he come back to? I mean, maybe like a like a I don't know. Would it be like a maybe a Cody Garbrandt at Bantamweight? Like that's interesting, dude. I don't see a world where he comes back and there's not a belt on the line. It's, like it in terms of like way, his right? interest, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it kind of feels that way. It's just like I have a hard time believing the UFC's like yeah or the champion because if it's Volkanovski, I don't really see him really pushing for it. But I, I think there's a better chance right now. If you had to make me guess right now, I know this could change tomorrow because I've flipped on this before. Yeah. I would say there's a higher chance, higher percent chance that Cejudo returns the fight for the Bantamweight title than uh, Featherweight. Okay. I respect that. I like that. Now, I can see let's, that. Let's talk about Volkanovski for a second. Yeah. On the same MMA hour appearance, He's like, you know, he's asking him what what fight he wants. He's like, well, you, you know, he doesn't really say Holloway, but he's like, you know, I know there's a fight out there that everybody wants to see. 
so he seems down to do that fight, which, you know, we've been expecting that fight to happen for a while now, and it just hasn't. But then he mentioned how interested he is in the main event of UFC 274, which is for the lightweight title, Charles yeah. Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. How serious do you take Volk's interest in this title and the idea that maybe Volk could go up the lightweight and have a champ-champ type fight? Oh, I think he's dead serious, and I think he's um, he's reached the that point where let's start looking at these it's appropriate. let's move up right he's defended the belt three times three different opponents he beat max holloway twice i know the ufc and us and the fans want to see that fight a third time but i could see potentially him going up to 155 i just there's so much going on up there i want that division to just play out much like i want 135 to play out so so for my sanity and fandom i prefer volk to stay down at 145 at least for one more let, let, let it clear up just a little bit up there because it's still pretty cloudy um but yes i think he is very interested i think he's deserving of that money fight but if that money fight quote unquote doesn't come at 155 i do think Sahudo's his next best bet uh, you're right. If if he doesn't go to lightweight, you got to think that that fight with Cejudo might be the next best thing. Well, obviously the Holloway fight should be first, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a fight here. If he's serious about going to lightweight, and when he said this, he talked about being interested in the title fight, but he didn't exactly say like if he like he said if this if his division doesn't work itself out, he would welcome yeah. fighting any of the contenders at lightweight. Oh, really? Yeah, well, him versus Dustin Poirier makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, it's a fight, for a fight fight out of left field, but Dana said they're looking at something else for Dustin Poirier. Well, how about the featherweight champion of the world? How does that not – I mean, I know it's not like, you know, Volkanovski not necessarily a champion that sells super well, but for Dustin Poirier, if he's not getting an ADS fight, what fight's really going to get him out of bed in the morning? Yeah. What fight's going to motivate him to to really get in there? I don't know if this fight would, but having a chance to beat a champion of a weight class, I mean, that's got to say something for your legacy. A legacy that's already outside of right. holding the full bell, just perfect, basically. Yes, yes. Um, I would welcome a Dustin Poirier-Alexander Volkanovski fight. As crazy as it would be to watch those two match up, because, you know, Dustin Poirier is big, yeah, Desport is fucking that. I didn't know that he said that about contenders. So, well, I think he said that that was more like the post fight. Like uh, he kind of just said, if my division can't work itself out, I'll go to one fifty five. Yeah, right. And he said, mix it up with those guys. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a big fight for Volk too. If he is wanting like the payday type fights, that's. I mean, I think you have the one fifty five championship. You have Suhudo. You have Dustin Poirier. If you're wanting money fights, those are probably the n- number three, top three in that order that he would receive payday wise. I like that. That is out of left I, field, I, Noah, but I, I like I pull, it. I pulled a little chill on you. I wanted to get a little, a little out of left field. Yeah, I've been sleeping on that one. That's why I was so excited to talk about this today. That, <laughs> that is that uh, out there. That's interesting. But let's be honest, the fight with Max Holloway is what should be next. That is what should be next. Yes, 100. <laughs> percent But. Now, we do have one fight announcement to talk about, and that's in the flyweight division. Askar Askarov, he's going to be pretty pissed off looking to get back on track. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be fighting Alex Perez, a guy who we haven't seen in a long time. He's been max- lined up with Matt Schnell about 10 times. Yeah. Not one of those has went through. Still ranked in the top five of this division, Dom. So you got number three versus number five. How important is this one for these guys? This is big, especially for Perez, man. Like, is this fight even going to happen? I know he's just been having some bad luck, so I just I worry that we get to see this fight. But it is a it is a big fight for the division should it get to July 16th and it happens. So for Askar, he's looking to bounce back. He had his first pro loss against Kaikar France in Columbus. And for Alex Perez, still like a super well-rounded, gritty, tough guy. And he, he got all the way to the title. He was the first Contender Series alum to get to a title shot and he got smoked by Figueredo, but that's at a time when Davison was running through everybody, Noah. So I still believe in Perez, 
But this layoff, man, that that hurts it a little bit in the fans' eyes, you know? Is that the last time he fought? He has not fought since Figueredo. December of 2020. I mean, he's been booked. Yes. Probably like, like all of 2021, times. he was booked, but never yeah. got the fight. Man, that fight with Matt Schnell is just crazy how that just took so many turns. Yeah, I, I think it is pretty big for both guys because you're right. I mean, Alex Perez, he kind of snuck up on everybody and got that title shot. It was supposed to be Cody Garbrandt. Yeah. Cody Garbrandt having the effects of COVID. He steps in. Didn't show much. It was a really quick fight. Davison yeah. got a really quick uh, guillotine. guillotine. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere, you know, just slipped it real quick. Um, but Alex Perez, you know, he's had some under-the-radar performances. Like, now everybody is aware of Alexandre Pantoja. Alex Perez finished him with leg kicks. Yeah. Perez is uh, good, he's man. good, yeah. But Askar Askarov, we know how good he is. He is the gold standard for wrestling in this division and dare I say he might be coming back with a vengeance Dominic because he is probably not happy that the people of Columbus booed him yes. and he went out there probably thought he won the fight against Kai Car France uh, friend of the show by the way shout out to Kai and um, yeah True. I think Askar Askarov may be back with the vengeance yeah I, it could very well happen he's still a legitimate title threat I think. Both guys, actually, yeah, that, I think. Yeah. That fight's happening July 16th, by the way, so around the time that maybe that fourth fight with uh, Davis uh, yeah. and Marino happens. So yeah. the winner of that fight could be kind of in the mix there. You know, Kai Car France obviously might be waiting for his shot, too. Who knows? Right. Just a few more things that we missed before we get it back into the fights for the weekend. UFC, Dominic, we, we knew that they were planning to go back to the UK at some point this year. But now it's looking like it'll be in July mm. and in Liverpool. Your thoughts? Uh, it's awesome. Uh, that that, that <laughs> event there was one of the best UFC events that I've ever seen that they had in London. Uh, Liverpool uh, potentially eyeing a stadium show. Potentially, I know uh, the, uh, the WWE, funny enough, is doing a stadium show in england in september mm-hmm. so we'll see if the ufc tries to beat them to that but uh this is awesome i think it lines up with more of your uh english talent because they fought in march give them a few months off put them back there in july i'd say at least a few of them from that card will be there uh so i'm very excited and i can't help but see the word liverpool know and think do we potentially see patty Pimblett's first ufc main event already do we so so my question for you and I feel like, based off of you asking me that question, I know how you're going to lean here. But I was going to say, is Patty Pimblett's fight, if he's on this card, will it be... How should I word this? Will it be anywhere on the card except main or co-main? 100% co-main minimum. But th- really? that's the okay. thing. That's the thing. It, I can't see it being a main event if he's if he's fighting another unranked guy. You know what I mean? I know he's huge mm-hmm. name and whatever, but you still need you need a worthy, quote-unquote, fight to headline a card. I don't care what location you're in. So minimum co-main, though, I think for sure. But he might get his first UFC main event in his third uh, bout. So I'm going to push you and say this will be a feature bout, and here's why. I'm just going to name two fights that I think could be above him on this card. Because you know they're going to stack it, right? So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could see a main event of Tom Aspinall versus Tai Tuivasa. You know, giving Tom his second main event in the UK, just really building him up. Co-main event, and maybe you flip these two, but I'm going to say no. Maybe Darren Till versus Uriah Hall. That'd be big. That'd be a big one. And then one. you do Patty Pimblett as the feature bout against uh, insert, Whoever. <laughs> insert Dave Beyond here. Yeah, that that'd be big. That'd be big. They they do need if they if Darren Till's gonna fight this year, I think they should do it in England for sure. Does anybody know what's up with Uriah Hall? They were like talking mad shit. Is Uriah Hall booked to fight somebody, Andre Muniz or something? I don't know. He was but... supposed to fight Andre Muniz, I think, last weekend. Oh, or okay. This okay. weekend. Yeah, but it's not happening. It, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was around these. It was around these last couple weekends. Or yeah, this weekend or something. But yeah, that fight fell out. Munez but him and Darren are talking mad shit to each other. So, yeah. I, I like sure that. that fight. <laughs> I forgot I think about Darren. I think Uriah stands a better chance against Darren Till than he does 
Muniz. 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 I can't say it. <laughs> uh, just, man, that's a tough style matchup. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Obviously, you know they're going to really make this a big deal. All I'm saying is announce the second Ohio show, you cowards. Yeah, yeah. if we're doing two in London, or two in England, I should say, hey, Ohio, they gave them the highest domestic fight night event in the history of the company. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Part of that was our VIP. True. True. I'm just saying. Or maybe Louisville, Kentucky. That's closer to me. Anywhere in the (laughs) fucking Midwest, even. Please. (laughs) Indianapolis, Indiana. Yes. Love that city. Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, right? That's probably too big for them right now. But anyways, also on here, also uh, coming from Ali Abdelaziz, he's been a busy man last couple Always is. Marlon Marais has officially announced his retirement from MMA, Dominic. Uh, Any any nice words you want to say for the magic man, Marlon Marais? What a fun career. I mean, you know, quickly rose to stardom, should you say, in the Bantamweight division, that is. Went all the way to the title fight. Obviously, you didn't get to reach the epitome, but uh, damn close. And so many great fights, win or lose for Marlon. It's a shame uh, that he had to go out in such bad terms with so many losses and whatnot, the way that they were happening. Uh, but a great career nonetheless, and uh, I wish him all the best. You know, I know he said he's going to keep in the fight game, be coaching, training partner, which is awesome. He's going to pass on plenty of uh, championship-level knowledge to the younger generation. Yeah, I, a guy that came from the World Series of Fighting back when the PFL was still under that name. He was an absolute stud for them. I believe he won their tournament. I, I don't know how many times, but he was like one of their best fighters they had. He was like the Kayla Harrison of yeah. World Series of Fighting. Uh, came to the UFC. He fought a who's who. He's got knockout wins over guys like Jimmy Rivera, Aljamain Sterling, the champion, Rafael um, Asuncao. You know, you just name it. He fought everybody and anybody in this division. And even yep. when his uh, when something started to slip away, you know, he started to take that downturn in his career. He was still fighting a lot of tough fights. Yes. You know, fights that a lot of people in his spot may not have welcomed, but he did. So shout out to him. Great career. Glad to see he wants to stick around yeah. for it as well. Lastly, Coach Caesar Gracie, as Chael called him Teaser Gracie, because he <laughs> teased that he it looks like for, or that he looks for Nick Diaz to fight by the end of the year. How serious are you taking this, Dominic? <laughs> And I guess my second question, you're kind of answering by your noises. Uh, are you interested in a, another Nick Diaz fight? I am, but it has to be a very, very particular type of matchup, you know, and how many of those are available that that Nick Diaz is going to be interested in? There's so many factors here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say I'm not taking this too serious. It's yeah, it's very hard to get a Diaz him. in a fight. So I, I don't see him fighting by the end of the year. Do I think he'll never fight again? I don't know. Man, it's just something's still very weird about that fight with Robbie Lawler. Um, it was a good fight, but like something about all that lead up, Nick deciding he didn't want to cut weight or whatever, and the fight being moved to another weight class, and he just looked he he was so in shape like just a few couple months before yeah. the fight yeah. and then he comes in looking a little you know a little softer mm-hmm. <laughs> just something's weird about that nobody's ever really said i don't know i just don't feel like the i don't feel like nick's heart's really in it anymore yes yes and i feel like he's doing it on some necessity i don't know if it's because he needs money or if he you know he's got people around him that want him to keep fighting like maybe Caesar Gracie right know. it just something seems off with this situation and I, I would welcome it back holy I'd be so excited for him to fight again but I want him to want to fight again yeah otherwise it can get dangerous you know yeah. all right let's move on to a few more fights for the weekend not too much left mm-hmm. um, Bellator Aaron Pico's back 
And right. it is not his originally scheduled opponent. He will be taking on a debutant for Bellator, but 9-1, Adley Edwards. Your predictions for this matchup, is it? Is there anything less than a Pico smash, and it's a disappointment? Uh, that's what this matchup would say to you and say to me anyway on paper. Uh, like you said, the debutant. And then Pico, another guy, he's got 12 pro fights. Every single one of them have been in Bellator. Molded into Bellator as a professional he's, MMA he's fighter. Had some, had some uh, yes. what do they say, some hills and valleys. Or yes, very. And now he's seems to be on his way to peaking. Mm-hmm. Five in a row. He's a guy that finishes. He's finished eight out of nine. Mm-hmm. He's only 25 years old, so he's still far from his fr- uh, prime, if you want to put it that way. But, man, he looks great right now. This should be a Pico domination he's like a minus 900 favorite which is <laughs> if, if that tells you anything but hey edwards if he comes in and does pull off an upset in your first bellator fight and you beat number four that's quite the explosion into the company so we'll see i will say bradley edwards i i, I on the way in podcast they mentioned this so i just will his wrestling apparently he was a division two all-american okay something worth noting but obviously aaron pico man the guy God, so he's so credentialed in his boxing, yes. his wrestling, everything. Yeah, yeah. For Aaron Pico, man, with the win here, how close is he to getting perhaps the winner of that uh, that main event? Oh, you got to think there's a reason they had him on this card to begin with. It sucks he lost his initial opponent, who was a ranked opponent. I don't remember off the top of my head who, forget, it was. who it was, but it was another ranked fighter. But yes, there's a reason he's on this card. I think. Being that he's taken on a short notice guy who's debuting, I'd say win this and get one more, and you're probably fighting for a belt. One more than a belt? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Back to the UFC we go. Just two more fights to talk about. It's not the thickest of cards for the <laughs> UFC, admittedly. Yeah. But we welcome back one of our favorite prospects to watch, Miguel Baeza. Mm-hmm. But he's gone through a little bit of a rut. He's lost his last two fights. Now he's here against Andre Fialo, who's 0-1 in the UFC. Your expectations for this one? Um, it's interesting because Fialo is 14-4. and You know, he's had a good run, but obviously he lost his debut. Miguel Baeza, though, came onto the UFC like a bat out of hell. One on the contender series, got three straight finishes, mm-hmm. but now he's looked human. You know, these past two fights, he got knocked out in the last one in a hell of a fight with Chaos Williams, uh, granted, but, you know, got finished in the third. So he's, you know, still so young, and I do still believe in his potential. I think he is a threat. He just needs a big bounce-back performance. Uh, He does have a good fight IQ. I'd say he's going to need that again here. I think Fialo is a pretty aggressive guy, too. This could be a huge win for him as well, because if you start at your career 0-2 in the company, that's always not the best. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to necessarily play out but i would lean by aza and i will discuss that in the betting show tomorrow as well yeah they it's interesting i, I tend to i'm leaning by aza and again you know i'll talk about this on the betting show as far as picks but you know i like by a lot the guy is very smooth at what he does he's yeah very technical fighter um got very good striking but also a very good ground game I will say for Fialo's credit, he was very durable in his fight with, um, what was that guy's, who's that, um, the guy who does like backflips and shit. What's oh, it was uh, Michelle Pajera. Yeah, yeah, he lost he, a decision. He fought Michelle Pajera, he was short notice, and he took a ton of shots. And, you know, Michelle Pajera's huge for that weight class. And Fialo's a big guy for this weight class too. So that's the thing, I think Fialo's going to carry a little bit more power. Yeah, um, which is interesting because we did see Baeza go down via strikes, but you know it took a lot from Chaos Williams to put him away. And I, I believe Fialo's got a pretty good background in wrestling as well, so it's an interesting matchup. There's kind of you know some paths to victory for both guys, but of course I trust Baeza's experience in the UFC a little more. I trust his talent a little bit more. Right, um, it's a tough draw for Fialo too. Yes, I went two in the UFC, but you're fighting those two guys. Like, yeah, not even giving him much of a chance here. You know? I know. Um, and lastly, deep on the prelims, Huggy Bear is back. Chris Barnett, Ooh. but they're having a fight at the apex. Come on, guys. I know. He's welcome. Maybe this is why he's welcoming. Is it an undefeated 
Prospect? Uh, nine and one, I believe. Nine, yeah. Okay. Um, making his debut for the company, Martin Boudet. Is it Boudet? Like the, the shit that sprays Squirts water up your bunghole? Is it Boudet? Booty? 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 <laughs> sorry, we're not... <laughs> Wait, I'm very sorry, Mr. This uh, guy's really fucking good, though. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm very sorry, uh, Mr. Boudet or Boudet. I'd say Boudet, Martin Boudet, until proven otherwise on the broadcast Saturday. Yeah, so, very apologies for making fun of your name, um, but uh, Martin Boudet, who's making his debut, he's a pretty heavy favorite here, Dominic. And you know, yeah. We've seen Chris Barnett do a lot of fun stuff in the octagon. He's one and one now. He lost his debut to Ben Rothwell, maybe? Yeah, went the distance. Relatively lackluster. No, Rothwell finished him. What, did he? Mm-hmm. In his debut, he got finished. Okay. But then he came back against... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Jean <laughs> Volante. I never can remember these names when we're going like this. But yeah, he did, threw that crazy spinning wheel kick. Fucking wheel kick, yeah. yeah <laughs> awesome stuff. And then Chris Barnett, you know, he had his moment there at MSG and... The few days after, people were really loving him, but here he is kind of back down to earth on the prelim, an underdog. Can he get the upset? First off, the UFC loves putting heavyweight fights on a main card, but you're not going to do this one uh, <laughs> for the fight nights? Like... Especially in the, in the, in the co-main spot. They love they love yeah. Jared Vandura. Come on in. You know, yeah. all these guys that are like these middling heavyweights. Yeah, that, but whatever. I'll always question the way that they order the cards, especially the Fight Night ones. But th- this could be fun. I am I am a bit worried for, you know, Huggy Bear Barnett. He's such a fun guy to watch. What a personality. He's been fighting a long time, 22-7, and seven, been through the ringer. But Boudet, man, 9-1, and one, a legit threat. He's finished eight of his nine fights. He won on the Contender Series uh, with a submission. So a legit threat here. The odds will tell you that as well. I'm looking forward to, though, I think it's going to be mm, – Pretty decisive, whoever gets the victory. I'll put it that way. I think someone's going down. Yeah, the odds uh, for this fight to not go to distance are like minus 650. Damn, there you go. (laughs) So, very much these two, you're looking for a finish here. Yes. Yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Weekend Preview. Let us know what fights you're most excited for on the weekend. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you're excited about? There's a pretty big boxing fight this weekend. I believe Errol Spence and your Dennis Ugas. So that could be fun. But uh, I I feel like you don't know who either of those two are. Nope. (laughs) But but, uh, I appreciate you nodding away anyways. Of course. But uh, let us know all that. We will see you guys. Make sure to check back tomorrow. Yes. We'll be here. If you're listening on Spotify, go to the YouTube channel. We will have a betting preview for the UFC card this weekend. But, uh, Dominic, that's it. We're out. We'll see you guys on Monday.